Yo, what up, what up, what up? G'day, guys. Peace. This is Lama Rock representing Fresh Socks. $7. MZK. I hope you guys are gravitating out there, getting yourself into a flow state. I hope you're breaking out to your heart's content. I hope that you're freestyling the way you want to move your body to whatever kind of music and whatever you want to express yourself. I hope you're all having a good day, a good week, a good time, a good life. Guys, um, it's a bit of a, a sad moment for um, us here in the hip-hop community in, in Melbourne, Victoria. We've lost a, a legend. Rest in peace, DJ Kuya. You know, I may, I, may have to, um, I may have to mark this as like the legitimate end of, 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 of an era, you know? Like, that's one of the the most recent passings of someone from like the early days of hip hop here in Australia, you know, um, Arsenio Liorica Fabai, also known as DJ Kuya, the older brother of DJ Dexter, um, you know, was born in 1974. I'm not sure if he was born here in Australia or in the Philippines and then migrated here, but uh, a gentleman such a gentleman like himself has uh left our presence and and joined joined God in the heavens and uh I feel like this episode is 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 an episode that will be dedicated to him and uh yeah it's a sad time and as much as we are in mourning we also should celebrate the life of DJ Kuya stay tuned So guys, I realize that this is a um, this is a podcast not only for myself but for those of you um, uninitiated into the um, so deeper understandings and meanings of of what hip hop culture is, um, predominantly dance. But let's not fall into the uh, pitfall, that trap where uh, we think of hip hop as just dance or as just rap or it's just DJing, or it's just graffiti, you know, you know, those were, um, toted as the, um, four elements of hip-hop, it was, I guess, a way to sort of explain to people what hip-hop culture is, but really it's only a small lens of, like, a much larger culture of many multiple facets, as is an example of modern-day hip-hop music, you know, we have so many genres and sub-genres, sorry, we have so many sub-genres in hip-hop itself, you know, and so, let's bring it back to basics, as always, yeah? The, 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 the fundamental principle, musically, that creates hip-hop is the idea of the breakbeat. So the idea of the breakbeat, right, was, or, was originally, or let's just say was pioneered by a DJ named DJ Cool Herc. That's K-O-O-L, Cool Herc, H-E-R-C. For, short for Hercules, because this man was a was a, a tall um, Jamaican man who lived in the Bronx. He lived on Cedric Avenue. I can't remember the number. Forgive me. <laughs> I'm not uh, very good at specific data, details sometimes. But what he did was he used to hold community hall parties, which eventually were, became known as block parties. Now, Cool Herc had a had a group called the Herculoids, I think or Herculoids, I can't quite remember. I think he was a, a, a very good um, basketball player in high school, but he was bringing his culture of toasting and rhythms from um, Jamaica 
to the Bronx. Now, that's not to say that there weren't already DJs during that time in the uh, early 70s, but what DJ Cool Herc had done was flipped it in a way that made it a lot more identifiable than your average DJ. So check this. What he did was he basically took his dad's gear from his apartment, their apartment, brought it down to the community hall. I think it was 50 cents or a dollar to get to get into this party. And he just held a party. Over time, you know, he started to realize that the um, music that he was playing, which was predominantly funk, I think it was, funk and, and, and parts of psych rock and, and what was popular in the early 70s, you really should look back into what um, culture was like in, in, in the Bronx. It was, it was quite a rough place. But um, he noticed that the, 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 the party goers were digging this particular section of the music. And that little section of, of, the, of the music was to become known as the break. Yeah, it's kind of like the drum percussive solo, straight drum percussive solo of any particular song that he was playing. And so he had this idea of creating what he termed the merry-go-round, which is where he would play the break of one track and then mix it into the break of another track, right? And then go back to the other break. Yeah, so he was using two different records with two different break beats right and going back and forth with them and sooner or later you know he was seeing people go off get off or break out and he started naming calling these people break boys you know because it's predominantly the men that were getting down to this kind of music and now you know african-american um latin american afro-caribbean um cultures you know, already have a history of like hitting the ground through dance. It's like a an elated. It's like a it's a, it's it's a, it's it's a form of expression during uh, being in a state of elation. You know, so you're just feeling so good, climaxed, and you just you're so funked up that you want to hit the ground. Yeah, and thus were formed the the first down rock moves. And floor steps that would that would eventually be known as b-boying in this day and age, and that was that was you know DJ Cool Herc's work. He was he was he discovered the uh, importance of of um, break beats before this culture was to be called hip hop. Now further down the track, right after you know Cool Herc had created this this sound. And then he got his MCs, you know, because in, in, the, in the culture of toasting in, in Jamaica, a toaster would talk about the day's issues, yeah? You know, like MCs and rappers do now, you know, but it was, you know, a Jamaican art form, musical art form. I guess that could be attributed to the, um, the Afro-Caribbean culture of Calypso, which is, is another... Um, form of expression by the, the the native peoples of that region yeah uh, you you've got the early 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 
like ancient, ancient forms of hip hop culture there. Then this uh, fan of um, this fan of DJ Cool Herc, who was also um, a DJ himself. His name was Grandmaster Flash. He was already, you know, DJing himself, and he was a bit of a, a tech geek, you know, like into like electronics and and creating his own kind of, you know, um, wirings and and and, and um, modifications to already existing um, electronic hardware. What he did was was he came up with the idea that what if what if he could extend these breakbeats so that they went longer for the five or ten seconds that they were in their recordings yeah on these records be extended even longer for as long as he'd like and so he developed he basically developed a technique where he could extend the break and the extension of the break he did by using copies of the same record and uh, using a crayon to mark on the record right where the break would begin and he would do that with two identical versions of the record you know and if they weren't identical I guess that's where the crayon marker you know like legitimately right drawing a line right through the record you know then the stylus the needle that picks up the sound can cut through that you know so it wasn't an abrasive thing that eventually became a sticker for some other DJs, you know, to keep the, the vinyl looking good because it was forbidden. It was like a forbidden, un, unspoken law of, of DJing that you never touch the vinyl face. You only touch the sides of it to keep your records clean. But here's a guy who's performing sacrilege by actually touching these records. And what he ended up creating was the extension of the break, the way most b-boys and b-girls i hope understand now why we have these break beats that const constantly continue at these b-boy battles and competitions now having said that guys um what's crazy is that that eventually became um what was now known as turntablism just look into your look into your hip-hop history there's a lot of books there's a lot of videos there's a lot of documentaries um, that talk about where scratching um, was created and mind you maybe by accident cool herc and um, cool 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 herc and 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 um, grandmaster flash may have done it by accident because it's it's a result of like when when your needle skips or is dragged or comes off the record makes a sound but I'm pretty sure and I hope I get this right because there's so many um, living legends and pioneers of hip-hop with very similar names but I believe the original scratch was attributed to Grand Wizard Theodore who was also an understudy of um, Grandmaster Flash and by accident while practicing his DJing in his apartment his mum barges in the room and and tells him off for playing the music so loud so he has his hand on the record and he's he's kept the, the music silent you know he made the music silent without actually turning off the turntable and while his mum was telling him off he he was you know un unconsciously subconsciously um, 
holding the record and moving it forward and back. When his mum left, he realised he was creating a sound with the with the record by pulling it back and forth and he explored that idea and further developed that technique to create the original forms of scratching. I believe maybe the first sound he created would be what is known for DJs and turntablists as the baby scratch. And so if we fast forward, right, maybe half a decade, I'm not too sure exactly when DJ Kuya started DJing, but if you, if, you, if you fast forward that many years to a place called St Albans in Victoria, Australia, here we have a new generation of DJs, right? Our triple OGs, our old schoolers. DJ Kuya started learning how to scratch and play records after being given as a gift and a record player that him and his brother would play with, catapult them <laughs> into the hip-hop realm as two of Australia's most famous hip-hop DJs. So guys, um, eventually this um, backspinning, ah, that's what it's called. So DJ Cool Herc is accredited for the merry-go-round technique. And it was DJ Grandmaster Flash that was accredited to the backspin. And why is it called the backspin? No, it's not because the b-boys backspin to the music, but no, it was because after playing a certain break, He'd already queued up the other break to extend it. And then when he dropped the extension of the break, he would have to spin back the vinyl, the record on the other hand, on the other side or the other hand, to reset it back. Yeah. However many revolutions, I believe he said it was about four and a half revolutions back for a bar of um, for about four bars of four for a, for a particular piece of music, you'd have to bring it back. Four, four and a half revolutions, backspin it technically, right, to get back to the beginning of the queue and then drop it back in to place. So unfortunately, because of, you know, uh, legalities and popular forms of media, I think the new B-boys and B-girls um, unfortunately don't get to enjoy and perhaps don't really uh, have yet until they school themselves about it, you know, or someone comes through and, and, and shows them why it's dope. You can never really force a person to like anything, you know. It just has to become a self-realization and an attraction to a particular sound that these new b-boys and b-girls can't appreciate the original breaks, yeah. And so what's happened as a result is because b-boying is main form its mainstream form are on these massive platforms you know which are great for those b-boys aspiring to make a name for themselves perhaps if they're very fortunate and you know the stars align for them they can make a, a living a career out of out of just entering battles you know like being you know sportsmen you know basically you know i don't like to 
think of our dance form in our culture as a as a sport but anytime you chuck three you know three or more judges onto a floor where the, the whole objective is to win that you have like um you know it's covered by media it's sponsored there's a lot of money coming through it it's basically a commercial venture then uh and you know you're watching two people go head to head don't really care what you think of it man that to me is a sports platform yeah and so i guess you know i feel like it's my duty it's my responsibility as a person of mzk as a person of seven dollars as a person of fresh socks as a person of of hip-hop culture it's 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 partially my my responsibility to express this and 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 make people aware of like the roots and the history of of at least what i know and what i've learned about hip-hop just to help create a bit of balance for for those new generations of people getting involved no matter the age and so the counterbalance here is that i feel like b-boys today should have a better appreciation of the anthems at least just an awareness i'm not telling you b-boys and b-girls to um love the mexican by babe ruth i'm not telling them to love the um you know uh the apache the apache um song uh, piece of music by the incredible bongo band i'm not even telling them to love it's just begun you know by uh, jimmy cast of bunch or even uh give it up turn it loose sex machine by james brown you know but I've mentioned all of these names because these are anthems of hip hop and of breakbeats and of b-boys and fly girls. If we can understand our roots and not forget them, that'll help propel us and help us carry tradition and the importance of these cultural traditions and the essence and the feeling and the vibes and all of the important stuff, the intrinsic stuff that will carry over that hopefully could carry over into the future of our culture yeah and so i've digressed a little bit but it's all related here on the podcast but guys um the backspin yeah so from the backspin and through the inclusion of scratching that eventually created what you call beat juggling at its essence actually the backspin is beat juggling you're taking two separate records with the same sound right and you're juggling one section that might have gone for 10 seconds right you're playing that right and then with the other hand as if you were juggling the beat you drop the extent you drop the same beat so you could extend the length of time that was playing and then you'd have to repeat for as many times as you know was you know necessary for its purpose yeah and so now when we think about the evolution of djing which is a, a an art form or some people have even claimed a folk art of the americas yeah of new york eventually skills techniques sounds evolved and you know perhaps why this is such a you know why this is such a um 
such a particular strong force for youth you know in in culture is because it probably was a lot from what i heard it was a lot cheaper at the time to buy turntables than it was to pick up a guitar or or an, a musical instrument yeah and so like most people who are artistically inclined they are creative people and so they learned to get creative with the instrument that they had or the piece of hardware they had so these kids just like the original triple og pioneers living legends you know of of um hip-hop this next generation took on that information and that knowledge right and they had the knowing of that too they knew that this was hip-hop you know they'd learned that you know that there was there was there was a, there was an essence there was a vibe there that, that that they could connect with they it wasn't just facts and and figures you know there was just this sense that they 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 resonated with that's probably the best way to say it. they could resonate with this vibe and they continued the work of their OGs and their pioneers and so one of my OGs is definitely DJ Kuya and DJ Dexter you know even more specifically because they were Filipino Australians just like I was you know and you know if you're a Filipino right and you could be from any other culture too there was a certain point in time where you couldn't look up to someone that looked like you yeah especially when I was younger you know especially when we didn't have um internet access and could watch all these people make a name for themselves online you know so you'd be watching tv and if you did see someone that looked like a filipino or you found out that, that they were filipino you would lose your shit yeah and so you know dj kuya and and um dj dexter they they were pretty much continuing the work that they'd learned about not only local melbourne um hip hop and r&b dj's but also of the american their american counterparts like dj cubert and the scratch pickles yeah and i think dj cubert and the scratch pickles they were they were all filipino as well the majority of them you know um and also because that was popular culture at the time albeit being underground with our own community here in in the west side of uh, victoria like in the in america in in california and like i think it's the bay area i still have to 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 school myself up on this on this history but these filipino dj's created this network of dj's that eventually became mobile dj's that would zoom around california playing gigs and so cuz they were still at school or college all of these young filipinos and their friends in other cultures you know based basically all the different ethnic groups um mixing together they would go and find these dj's at their party so it might be someone's like you know christening or friggin someone's 16th birthday or 18th birthday whatever and you know people were going to these places perhaps even if they weren't invited i mean that's a sort of that's my imagination working there but i i could believe that would happen there used to be heaps of gate crashes back in the day when i was young you know anyways so here's a group of his his two brothers the fabais here in here in melbourne in st albans and they're aspiring to they're aspiring like they are 
like their uh, American counterparts and they're creating their own scene here in Melbourne. So I remember as a kid, you know, I was probably like six or seven, we'd go to Errington Reserve Hall, Community Hall in St Albans, which is next to the clay tennis courts off of Main Road. I always get confused, Main Road East or Main Road West? Main Road East, I believe. Yeah, it was Main Road East. And, you know, I'm there playing with all the other kids because, you know, they're doing cutwheels and tumbling and we're doing martial arts and stuff, play fighting. And then you'd see the older kids and the older kids were always pe people, you know, look, we looked at because one, we were kind of scared of them and two, they were cool. So, you know, they were like our role models, so to speak, obviously besides our parents. Yeah, and then our parents were inside the hall, outside the hall, having ciggies, drinking, you know, conversating, whatever, you know, doing their thing. There was, you know, um, food laid out, full cookout, you know, potluck, everyone brought their own food. I don't think many people did catering back in the day because they didn't have the money, you know. And, man, you know, um, there'd be a DJ inside and all the aunties would be dancing. There'd probably be some of the uncles dancing too, you know, and the kids would jump in the middle of the aunties, you know, like in a little circle and bust out, you know. And at the time when I was going, it was the 90s. So, you know, there was a lot of running man, you know, the party machine, you know, Roger Rabbit, or, or just a running man actually, um, you know, the Smurf, just all those old, old party dancers that, you know, um, Bruno Mars and that, you know, bringing back. You know, so it's trippy because, you know, like in my career of reaching 20 years this this November, it's like all of this stuff is coming back in. And so now I feel like it's taken me a long time to, to accept that I'm an, I'm an old school fuckwit, you know, like that this the cycle has gone around and there's this whole new generation that are reviving these 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 dances and ideas and practices, um, but never experienced it for themselves. You know, so it's it's come back in a different way. It'll never be the same again, I guess I would say. But you know, they have the new generation has an ability to synthesize a new reality with these old concepts and ideas. And so you know, I could t continue on and on. But what I'm trying to say is like, and DJ Kuya. If it wasn't for DJ Kuya, DJ Dexter, and all the other DJs around at that time, Filipino or not, you know we wouldn't have such a strong, I wouldn't have such a strong connection with hip-hop and R&B and the idea of the essence of hip-hop, which is partying, which thank God is is a natural <laughs> cultural practice of Filipinos to to sing and dance and, and be full and be merry, you know, and be jovial as a, as, a, as, a, as a form of celebration, you know. And as all of this political correctness and weird politics and, and struggle to earn money and, and chase the Australian dream, quote unquote, you know, I feel like there's a numbness that's happening within our society, you know, with people I speak to, with parties I go to, where it feels like people are only going out to like, in ways, celebrate but in negative ways, self-celebrate, perhaps even self-abuse themselves. They have to get ultra, ultra wasted to let go of the stresses that beset them. Yeah? Whereas I, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, you know, because I'm a victim of a bit of self-abuse. You know, I smoke cigarettes. I change cigarettes like ridiculous. And that's probably the reason why I don't touch any other substances. Because I know if I get addicted to those, like, catch her. Later. You're dead. Amen. 
and yeah you know look that's a pretty bleak view of like what's happening in party culture now but what i'm trying to say is it's like dj queer yeah the older brother he 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 unknowingly schooled us all by being that figure in the community you know by being that person to set things off and set the mood with the music and we all did our thing we all celebrated each other's company and it was it seemed a lot less destructive than some of my experiences in recent years break <laughs> I'm still friggin trying to get used to that cheesiness don't worry guys I got some plans I'm slowly accumulating the correct gear and you know as the technology improves here on anchor like I'm going to be able to like um lay down my own original beats uh and scratching samples as interludes here on the show but um yo guys so I can't stress enough the idea of of exploring your roots, yeah. That uh that gives you a sense of your identity, gives you a sense of, you know, being part of a tribe, a sense of belonging, you know, and you know that opens up a whole another can of worms about, you know, like cultural etiquette, um, the way to interact with each other the ways to be considerate you know these are all just like intrinsic human values you know common courtesy and the like that that you know we can explore by being part of a subcultural culture you know and bringing our own culture into that and then seeing um the the way things are right now in the world around us how we can all put that stuff together to create a better environment for ourselves you know now guys, I, I implore you, I mentioned this in my other podcast, Pinoestraliano, um, that, you know, that, you know, we, we need to take a look and, and research about, you know, DJ Kuya, yeah, I knew him on, 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 on almost a personal level, on an acquaintance, but more so like an acquaintance level, because he's my OG and you know like out of respect I didn't you know hit him up as much as maybe I should have out of you know respect and maybe a bit of fear too because it's like I respected the man so much I was kind of scared to interact with him he, he knew so much even though he was just a human being you know um I'll tell you this story where he and I and his brother and I can't remember who else was there there was a few of us um, they had a set at Pyramid Rock Festival, which is by Phillip Island. It usually happens on New Year's Eve. It's a New Year's Eve festival. This was back in like uh, early to mid 2000s. And um, I'd already been keeping an eye, you know, as a kid, you know, getting into hip hop when I was like, f- let's say 14 years old was when, when I started learning how to break from an actual b-boy teacher, you know. And so quite naturally going to school in South Yarra, you know, um, after leaving my local school of St. Albans, 
and experiencing these things, I was finding these guys in the city, you know, you would be roaming around the streets and finding record stores like um, uh, Collector's Corner and I can't remember, I think they might have been Vinyl Legends perhaps or, or something along those lines, I, they, were t- they were talking about at the funeral yesterday, you know, um, DJ Dexter and DJ Kuya as well as DJ FX, the three of them invested money to run a record shop which stood where now Emporium stands. So it's been knocked down, it's no longer there, you know, it's like in that vicinity of McDonald's on the corner of Swanson Street and Lonsdale, that lane that goes in between, which was once known as St. Jerome's uh, Lane, I believe, yeah, um, or whatever lane that way, laneway that was, and then what is now the known as Emporium, which was Myers back in the day. It's within that vicinity, it was just a small skate store, a long one, in the back room they had a half pipe which skaters could go the main store was you know having wheel you know by buying anything skateboard related you know um wheels trucks you know shugu the works boards grip tape then they had that apparel and then right at the front of the entrance you had um you had uh, the the record store, you know, they were selling vinyl way back when, you know, this is like mid to late 90s, you know, early 2000s as well, I think it, it, it existed that long for, anyway, as I usually digress, um, we were at Pyramid Rock Festival and we just performed um, with DJ Dexter as his dancers, you know, and DJ Koya was had played a set too, or maybe they did a routine, I can't quite remember the details, all I remember is doing the long drive, getting there, smashing it, going back to the green room, chilling, and then going back to our accommodation in the motel there somewhere, and then, you know, because it was New Year's Day for that particular year, I remember DJ Dexter going, oh yo, Kuya, let's go, let's go for a drive somewhere, and so we go for this drive, random drive, I'm chilling, you know, I'm cool, we, we, we're all good, like, I'm just hanging out with the, with the Kuyas, man, you know, the older brothers, you know, if you feel like a sick cunt when you're hanging out with your, your older brothers or sisters, you know, you're just part of the game, you know, it's like that vibe, and we're driving, and we went out to some lookout, and, you know, Dexter, if you know DJ Dexter, you know, he, he, he's really jovial, he likes to talk a lot, he's saying all these things, this, this and that, and then we pull up to this random car parking lot and then man out comes a massive fucking joint and if i remember correctly it was kuya who pulled that out and was the one who like made it and rolled it and so you know he got he got first dips like a sick dude you know and man you know like that was one of my fondest memories with dj kuya you know i've seen him at a few um uh, sort of tech, these sponsored tech um, sort of industry showing, so to speak, like when a new turntable was released or a new mixer, and you know, these guys would, you know, all these Filipino OG DJs would be there and they would scratch it up and you know, you know, flexing their skills, so to speak, you know, and there was always a great exchange. And you can imagine being a starry eyed 16 year old back in the day, you know. So we're jumping time zones here, but like now we go back to when I'm 16, 17. I'm on Smith Street in some basement of some bar. Well, I'm not even sure what it's called now, but it's right on the corner of Smith and Gertrude on the uh, Collingwood side, yeah? Not the north side, Alia Bar side, but the other side, yeah? Whatever that venue is, it was in there. And man, you know, DJ Kui and DJ Dexter were there and they were scratching it up. And I was like, 
man, amazing. You know, and, and, and DJ Quit, man, he's 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 a living legend, man. He's, I'm sorry. Rest peace, uh, DJ Kuya. You know, I still feel like he's here. You know, we we lost the legend. You know, but like well, while he was alive, man, he was a living legend. You know, like. But now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, what you got to know about DJ Kuya is he's one who always advocated. He always advocated. You know, the new technology that was coming in. In a lot of ways, he was like, you know, that big, big geek, you know. He's that big geek that just loved to get into science fiction and all these different cool technological things that you could mess with with your hands to create sounds, to create music. And, you know, he would be one of the earliest dudes to do um, online product reviews. We're talking about, like, at least as early as 2007. You know, or get up online and be like, "Hey, check out this, check out this new MIDI controller by Pioneer or Vestax or whatever," and he would do a little set by using the, you know, the new functions on it. You know, and it's crazy because that's basically the reasoning as to why technology has evolved in the way it does now through, you know, people publishing, you know, or showing what you can do with these, these instruments now. Yeah, and he he was one of the earliest Australians, you know, Filipino Australians, doing that. And you know, I hope he gets his, I, I hope he gets his props. He get, you know, he's a man who's paid his dues. You know, I hope he gets the recognition as one of those people. You know, and dare I say, you know, Filipino Australians, you know, Filipino Australian hip hop dudes, you know to be onto it a lot earlier than everybody else, you know. He, he demands that respect. You know, and I'll put him up on a pedestal like that for his, uh, for life. <laughs> Guys, that's uh, another episode of Lama Rock's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please share. Um, I'd love to get more people listening in. This is my way of showing and teaching what I know. You know, I, I don't want to mar my ability uh, to to dance and be creative by turning my passion into a job. But hey, you know, like if things line up well, then I can marry the two together. I'm just trying to find a way to reconcile the uh, the two ideas. But hey, I hope you enjoyed. Remember, break out. Groovitate, freestyle to your heart's content. And remember, especially in the mode of hip-hop, the essence of hip-hop is party. So just have fun, guys. Don't worry about the politics. Use that for another time when you're chilling. But yeah, if you're going to be out and about, party. What you give, you'll get back, man. Throw an ingredient into the pot. Add a number into the cipher, yeah? Let's jam. Peace.